Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Uh, welcome, Americans. It is high noon on Monday, July 27th, 2020. So I, uh, as you obviously know, did not put out a new podcast aside from the one with my buddy Dominic Blackwell Cooper for quite a long time. And the reason for that was that I was deep uh, into writing the episode called Apocalypse Now, um, where I am attempting to reframe the debate about uh, racism and sexism and other woke ideology, because I think it is all wrong. And I think it's intentionally wrong. And I think it's maliciously wrong. And I think all of those things are there to protect what I believe to be the only uh, systemically racist institution left in America, which is the Democratic Party. Um, so I hope you'll listen to that and give it some thought. Um, and so what I'm trying to do with the high noon thing is I'm going to try to put an episode up by noon or at noon uh, every weekday from here on out if people like them. Um, if they get good numbers, I will continue to do that. And at some point I'm going to shift some of this stuff to Patreon or Substack or my website or something else that has an actual financial incentive for me. Um, and I hope that people out there will be willing to support that because, uh, I believe that media is going in a decentralized direction in the future. Um, it is clear that the main sources of media and information in this country have been entirely corrupted um, by their position in the old guard and the uh, interplay between the media and other old guard institutions who are all currently protecting their own interests and their own viability into the future while simultane simultaneously being funded by China and protecting China's interests. 
So that uh, that being that, let's go ahead into what we're going to talk about today. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the good doctor, the expert, the god of all knowledge, Anthony Fauci. Um, who has been wrong about literally everything for the entire pandemic, starting with the importance of the Imperial College London uh, study done by an epidemiologist named Neil Ferguson. Uh, I have discussed this before, but epidemiology is decidedly not a science. Epidemiology is applied mathematics um, on one half, and on the other half, it's meant to communicate an understanding of how human beings actually interact with their world. Um, there is no reason to believe that epidemiologists um, as people have any particular insight into human activity um, because, you know, not everybody who's a math dork is an actual dork, but I would say most of them are. Um, epidemiologists are not people who are... Uh, in the business of of like living, you know, having a vast array of experiences that go beyond sitting in a lab where they believe that numbers can dictate human behavior. Um, our cultural respect for these institutions is entirely unwarranted. Um, which is not to say that they have nothing to add to the conversation. They certainly do. But when we pretend that science and scientism are able to guide us through the world, we are uh, almost hubristic in our, um, our view of ourselves as creatures that are able to understand everything important about behavior. And that needs to stop because we're seeing right now how dangerous that mindset is particularly when we go ahead and um, reduce that understanding to uh, to limited sources and limited means of acquiring the information that we think these people are are providing um, these uh, institutions have failed us repeatedly at this point, they are basically designed to fail us. Um, I'm going to do a much deeper dive in a separate episode, uh, a written essay episode um, about the myriad failures of the media in the last five months. I'm pretty much going to you know, try to name every single one I can think of and tell you why they're wrong, because it's important to stop trusting these people. Again, not to say that no valuable information can be acquired. It's just not the full extent of the information and believing that 27 year old bloggers at the New York times are able to understand complex medical data, or even that they're looking at the complex medical data is a, uh, that's an assumption that we can no longer afford to make. Um, so back to Anthony Fauci, Fauci, uh, went the other night to throw out the first pitch at the Washington Nationals baseball game as the major league baseball season, um, albeit a brief one started, uh, Fauci walked up to the mound. He hauled back and threw a pitch that traveled about 15 feet and landed a good, uh, 15 feet to his left. 
Um, so I guess maybe just by, by math, the, uh, hypotenuse of that triangle, the 15 by 15, I can't do the math now just on the spot, but maybe, maybe the pitch actually traveled like, uh, 25 feet. And, uh, (laughs) um, yeah, so, uh, the pitch was very, very bad, just like, uh, every other, thing Anthony Fauci has done it missed the target by at least a factor of five or ten so then he went up into the stands with I think his wife and then a friend and was photographed without his mask on and since then he has said that he took his mask down to drink water which is amusing because there are tons of pictures of him without a mask on And he's not drinking water in any of them. Now, this doesn't matter for normal people since there was zero risk of him not wearing a mask in that situation. The problem is that he is pretending that he only took it down for the water, indicating that the proper belief to have is that there actually was a risk in that situation, but that he was primarily mitigating it. And so now that's stupid on two levels because obviously there isn't a risk. And if he was being honest, he would tell you that. Oh, he also said he had been tested that day as if he couldn't have picked up coronavirus anytime in the middle. Um, and you know, If the mask actually worked and the risk was increased massively without the mask, he should probably be not taking it off at all. And he was sitting right next to his two companions. He wasn't socially distanced from them or anything else. So that entire narrative is bunk. And we should realize that. Um, Then after that, this fucking clown who is entirely obsessed with his own self-image and his own PR. What he did was he went out and said that the reason the pitch was so bad was because he had blown his arm out a couple days earlier playing catch, practicing for his pitch. Uh, No, man, that's not what happened. What he is doing is trying to um, prop up his manhood and ability to throw a baseball by blaming it on something two days ago. Now, if it were Donald Trump who came out and threw that pitch that badly and chose not to wear a mask next to two companions in the stands, the media would be in an uproar Social media would be on fire and all of your dumbest friends would be using this as proof of how Donald Trump doesn't care about the science, doesn't wear masks to send the quote unquote right message and how he is a complete idiot who doesn't care about anything but himself and is going to do whatever he wants and doesn't listen to the science. Well, here's the thing. There is no science that supports wearing masks as protection from viruses, okay? There was nothing in the history of science that said that that was the appropriate prophylactic, nothing. 
any science that says it is helpful is from May 2020 or later. And so that should tell you that the narrative about the mask is pushing the studies. And by the way, I'm saying studies here and specifically not science because these studies aren't even good studies. You can read them and see how nonsense they are, either by their sample size, by the, the, the studies methods, all of that. Okay. Again, even if we're to allow that there is a slim possible chance that the mask might catch uh, respiratory droplets, that still doesn't prevent viral spread. Okay. It prevents a level of, of viral spread potentially. By the way, there are also a number of studies coming out that totally dispute everything in this, in the studies that say that the masks actually work. Okay. And so to think that you are quote unquote following the science while you berate your friends about masks is preposterous. There is an entire history of science that says the opposite, including work done by Anthony Fauci, done by the CDC, done by and published in all the major uh, medical journals. Okay. And so if you are going to disregard the entire history of science because it doesn't say what you want it to say and then accept some very flimsy studies created in the last two months to coincide with the politics you want to support, you are not the one following the science. All right. Here's another thing. If by your logic, they actually worked and that enabled you to go out into more, um, more populated areas, more populated situations, like for instance, protests. Um, the fact that they don't work means that you using it as an excuse as to why you're able to go out and do whatever you want and intermingle with as many people as you want. Even though you don't use the mask properly, you take it down whenever you want. Your hands are all over it. Other people are right near you. You're actually increasing the public risk by going out and putting yourself in those situations. And you are lying to yourself and to everyone else about how safe you are in that situation. So I don't want to hear this shit about how the protests are okay and everything else is okay that you want to do. But you're telling everyone to wear a mask. I mean, it's funny how many pictures are popping up now on Instagram of people going to um, their little pool parties or little birthday dinners for their friends where everybody, you know, wears their masks in one picture. And then the rest of the time they're not. They're signaling, hey, what I'm doing is totally safe because we all wore the masks to get here. As if you all just got tested and know you don't have the virus. And then everything after that is okay. The close contact is all okay. This is fucking nonsense. It is people pretending. This is a charade. All right? Let's stop. Let's stop pretending and let's stop yelling at other people. All right? It's so ridiculous to think that the masks have stopped any spread. 
it's equally ridiculous to think that lockdowns have stopped any spread. Sweden's performance as a country compared to New York City and New York State. By the way, New York State's entire population density of the entire state. This is including New York, but also the rest of the state, which is rural. I know I grew up there. Okay. If you take the entire population density of New York state and you take the curve of death and viral spread for, from, for New York state, and you compare that just to Stockholm, Sweden, the most dense city in Sweden, the Swedish curve with their 0% lockdown or not 0%, maybe they did a couple things here and there. They followed like the social distancing rules. Sweden's curve is better by like a factor of 10. All right. It's not even close. So people pretending that New York and Andrew Cuomo did a good job and that their model should be replicated throughout the country is utterly preposterous. Cuomo put 6,300 sick people into nursing homes. Many of the other Democratic governors followed his lead and did the same thing. All right. The Democratic states where that happened are by far the places that have performed worse in this country, and they obliterate nearly every other place around the entire world. Okay. Then we come to places like Australia and Japan, who everyone was bragging about as like the perfect examples because of their mask wearing and their lockdowns. Both of them are having massive spikes right now. And they are on the same latitudes as the other places having spikes right now. The key is when the virus gets to a place and the environmental uh, attributes of that place when the virus gets there. Okay. California, Arizona, Florida, and Texas have not at any point triaged care for patients. It doesn't matter how many articles you've seen. It doesn't matter how many quote unquote smart people have told you that all those states were at risk. They were not. You can go look at the actual hospital data of hospitalizations, ICU capacity, how much of the ICU is from COVID. Not one of those states has gone into ICU surge capacity, which they all have already. So their ICU being 95% full, everybody's so worried, doesn't matter. Okay. Their COVID ICU hospitalizations alone do not eclipse their surge capacity, which they're not even using. Okay. There never has been any point at which any of those states have come close to triaging care for people sick with coronavirus. All right. It does not matter what the news tells you. I post this data every day on Twitter and a lot of it on Instagram as well. You can follow either at I'm your moderator. Okay. All right. So let's get off that coronavirus subject for a moment. Um, 
Actually, no, let's stick there one, one more second because I have one more thing to talk about. All right, there's a guy on Twitter. His name is Kyle Lamb. I repost him quite often. He does a really cool thing every week where he takes the prior week's data and breaks everything out by the date of actual death rather than the date that deaths were reported. Because you can see from, his, uh, from, the, from the display of his data that there are deaths reported still two and three and four months ago. And of course, obviously, days and weeks prior. In fact, there is not a single week since the end of May that has had 7,000 deaths reported in one week. All right. So when you see reports last week about how this is the first day with over a thousand deaths since blah, 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 you can know that's wrong. All right. If the entire country reports 5,000 deaths over the course of a week, what do you think the chances are that a thousand of them were in one day? All right. And even if a thousand did actually happen in one day, all that would mean is that the other 4,000 happened over the course of six days. All right. Which means none of them average a thousand a day. There is no increase in the death curve right now. No noticeable increase. It might have gone up a little bit from the bottom peak. But there is nothing, nothing approaching anything like what happened in New York in March and April. Okay. And all you need to know to understand that the disease spread is finished in those places is the fact that hospitalizations and deaths are already on their on their uh, their downslope, which means that the spread of the disease actually stopped weeks ago. Because hospitalizations and deaths are you know, lagging indicators, okay? Coronavirus deaths occur, by and large, between 25 and 40 days after the disease was transmitted, all right? So that means if the deaths and the hospitalizations are already going down, that means the spread stopped at least 25 days ago, all right? There's just nothing else to know about this that matters. It is highly likely that within the next couple of weeks, every single spot in the country that had an outbreak will have hit herd immunity. That is not a joke. That is not a conspiracy. That is not me spouting off about nonsense. All right. That is all of these places hitting the same points in the curve at the same time that every other place has done so and now has herd immunity. There is no model that has been better than Sweden's. There has been no governor in America who has handled this better than Ron DeSantis in Florida and better than Brian Kemp in Georgia. Okay. This stuff is not up for debate, especially when the comparison is between them and Democratic governors who literally put sick people into nursing homes for a disease that only kills two out of a thousand people with a median age over 80 of death. Okay. A median age of death over 80. All right. And that the chance of killing anyone under 65 without extreme comorbidities is virtually zero. All right. All of these things are true. All of them 
are things I can back up with data and have backed up with data. And that data is not only publicly available, but it is tweeted out all day long by me on Twitter. You can see it with your own goddamn eyes. Okay. And the last thing I want to say is Trump uh, and the administration moving the data from the CDC to HHS has been nothing but an advantage. This is not Republican or Trump corruption. This is exactly the right thing that should happen because the data was so mangled by the CDC, so mangled by the people delivering the data. There was a, a week or so ago in Florida, there were a bunch of uh, testing centers reporting 100% positivity because they threw all the negative tests out. Florida has had to uh, reduce their numbers over and over again from 90,000 to 11,000 because they are doing it wrong. The reporting is wrong. Okay. By the way, the reporting on deaths of coronavirus with coronavirus is wrong. The idea that 140,000 people have died from coronavirus is wrong. All right. And then people are like, yeah, well, it's being undercounted. Don't you see the excess deaths? Okay, here's how excess deaths work. The people in those nursing homes, in hospice, hospice where you literally go to die, were counted as deaths from coronavirus. You can go down and look at the actual cause of death, flu, pneumonia, motorcycle crash, motorcycle crash, counted as a coronavirus death. Okay, looking at excess deaths now, is pointless. Look at these excess deaths a year from now. And like Sweden, for instance, that has already gone under the, the, uh, the excess deaths baseline. That is what you will see. You will see them evening out because most of the people who have died with coronavirus were already going to have died this year. And that might sound cold and bleak. It just so happens to be true. Okay, and if you think that's cold and bleak, then try to figure out what health insurance companies and life insurance companies and car insurance companies do with their actuarial tables to determine how much policies should cost for people. Okay, they have to take a hard, bleak look at the facts and determine who is likely to die this year. All right. This is just how the world works. We can deny it all we want and pretend that it's mean to say people would have died already. That doesn't change the reality that they would have. All right. So now off coronavirus, the media has been uh, perpetuating a narrative that the current um, violent riots are actually peaceful protests that have merely intensified. Okay. There's no such thing as a peaceful protest that intensifies. If that were true, it would be getting more peaceful. All right. These are riots. These are organized riots. These are organized riots where people bring weapons, fireworks and shields because their intent is to cause harm and destruction and injure people and tear down and burn buildings. All right. What they say right now is that the problem is restricted to four blocks of Portland and everything else is OK. That is is utterly moronic, okay? That is like saying that 9-11 was just confined to New York City, so there's no threat anywhere else. No, okay? That's not how it works. 
9-11 was a threat to New York City because the target was in New York City. All right. Portland is only consumed by four blocks of violence because the place they're trying to destroy is there. All right. When they go spread out to destroy other places, then it won't be just four blocks like it isn't in other cities. All right. It's not just Portland where this is happening. If you want great coverage of this, there are some people um, on Twitter that you can follow. One of them is named Shelby Talcott. I think her, uh, I think her handle is at Shelby underscore T A L C O T T. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I will, I'm always reposting her. Um, and then people think it's like not okay to look at the stuff that Andy No posts. NGO is his last name. Um, because he's like, uh, they, they believe he's like a right wing troll of a journalist. He's posting fucking video. All right. His, his, uh, his context by which he posts the video in means absolutely nothing. He posts the video. Watch the video. You will see a bunch of degenerate white kids dressed in black using umbrellas as shields trying to attack and burn things. All right. It doesn't matter what his political bent is. Okay. Portland now has this thing um, that they're calling the wall of moms. All right. Nothing, nothing could be more appropriate for these degenerate Marxist revolutionaries than using a bunch of people's moms as human shields. The funniest thing is that they're not all even moms. They're just people who, who identify as like middle-aged woke women. It is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. All right. And then we have people like Nancy Pelosi and other uh, politicians who are saying that the federal troops in Portland and other places right now are stormtroopers and secret police. Okay. They're not. They are fully identified on their uniforms aside from their names. Okay. They are not hiding what agency they are from. They are there protecting a federal building, which is consistently under attack. And, and this is after two straight months of riots in Portland. Do you know how stupid and degenerate that is? Okay. This is not about black lives. It is certainly not about George Floyd. There is no political agenda. This is a bunch of people who were locked down and don't have jobs who think that they are entitled to the best the country can deliver for them, even though they have no interest in working for it, even though they went to college to study nonsense. And then they kept going to college and now they think the whole world should be college. They should have free housing, free food, free medical care because they are in America. That is utterly preposterous. All right. The last thing I want to talk about is uh, Nancy Pelosi and how she has adamantly stuck to the view that um, that mail-in voting, national mail-in voting has to be in, uh, included in the next coronavirus relief package. Okay. That is absolutely insane. And you should recognize it for being insane. All right. There is no connection whatsoever 
between mail-in voting and coronavirus, all right? If you can safely go to the grocery store, then you can go vote. If people in risk groups, people who are 60, 65, 70, 75, if they can work at cash, as cashiers at the grocery store, then they can go vote. There is no danger whatsoever to voting because of coronavirus. In fact, in the early spring, when the coronavirus was its most scary, people went out and voted in the Wisconsin primary. And the reason they did that was because Bernie Sanders kept himself in a race he couldn't win. All right. So Mr. Woke himself forced people out to the polls. Was there a massive coronavirus spread from that day of voting? No, there was not. All right. There also won't be in the November election. You should understand that the push for mail-in voting on a national level is only a factor of democratic corruption and fear. There is no reason to push that if they actually believe the polls and what they say. The fact that they are pushing that should tell you not only that they know the polls to be false, but that they are deathly afraid of Trump winning as he probably will do. All right. It is utterly crazy to hold up the stimulus and relief package to people whose unemployment is about to run out based on mail-in voting, which is an entirely separate issue, all right? It is also important to understand that right now, the, uh, let's, let's look at 2016, okay? In 2016, I think that it was that Hillary had about 66 million votes and Trump had about 63 million. I could be off by uh, a million on either number, okay? But we're talking about roughly 130 million American votes cast. I think it was closer to 140 in uh, 2008 in Obama's first election. So out of that 130 million people who went and voted, one-sixth of that is about, you know, 21 and a half. I think 21.7 million. All right. Right now, there are 24 million registered voters who have either moved or are dead or are otherwise not uh, in a situation that corresponds to their registration. That means there are 24 addition, 24 million additional voter registrations out there who would then receive mail-in ballots even though none of them are eligible to, eligible to vote, okay? Uh, someone can check my numbers on these because I'm not looking at them right now, but I think it's 2.75 million voters are registered in two states. What is preventing them from filling out both of those ballots, okay? Do you think that the people whose minds have been completely broken by Trump for the last five years are above filling out both of their ballots? I don't. There are 1.75 million, I believe, uh, voter registrations to people who are dead. All right? I live in an apartment building. There are about 60 other apartments here. Okay? When people get mail from someone who isn't them in their box, they take that mail out and they put it on the counter. Okay? 
in, in the instance that perhaps uh, one of those, you, you just got the wrong person's mail and that person still lives in the bu- building and might see it, right? What happens when those are, when those are mail-in ballots? That's what I want to know, okay? The idea that you aren't introducing a possibility of voter fraud by sending mail-in ballots to 24 million people who should not be voting on those ballots. Believing that that is not a threat to election integrity is utterly insane. Okay. This is not about voter suppression or the quote unquote right to vote. Further, Stacey Abrams, who's the biggest case of this voter suppression thing, was not robbed by any means. More black Americans, black Georgians went out to vote in her midterm election, the 2018 election that she lost, then showed up in the 2016 election for president. Do you know how strange an occurrence it is where the midterm gets more voters out than a national election? That is very odd. Okay, the idea that black voters were prevented from getting to the polls to support Stacey Abrams is absurd. Politico has fact checked this. Stacey Abrams is a liar for uh, two years later. She is still hanging on to that lie. She is still being considered as a vice presidential nominee for the Democratic Party while refusing to accept the results of a free and fair election. There is nothing wrong with the governor of Georgia purging voter rolls. All of the voter rolls in the nation should be purged because there should not be 24 million ballots out there that can potentially be cast illegally. All right. There is no other side argument from this. The idea, for instance, that black people don't have the wherewithal to get IDs to go vote is completely demeaning. All right. There is no logic behind the argument that they're making. So they choose victim classes, old people, black Americans, other minorities, and then they make it about that. It is not about that. All voter rolls should be purged. Okay. People who don't find their names on the registry at their polling locations can ask for an absentee ballot on the spot. All right. There is no danger of people who are eligible to vote not voting. Okay. The process is in place for them to be able to vote. So the idea that the democratic party is trying to hold up stimulus and relief for the entire country on the basis of mail-in balloting should tell you everything you need to know about that party, that they do it on the backs of created victim classes is deplorable. Okay. And that is all I have to say about that. Okay, so high noon number one has met its end. I hope this is something that people find valuable. Um, I always appreciate your feedback. You can email me at heymoderator at imyourmoderator.com. Um, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, whatever. Uh, if you like what I'm doing, please, guys, share this stuff with your friends because I you can tell that I care. Um, and uh, by the way, I am totally open to reading people's counterpoints and objections. So you're more than welcome to send those to me and I will read them on air and respond to them. Um, and that's about it. I hope you have a good week. 
Are you listening to this on Spotify right now? You should be. On Spotify, you can listen to all your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you never miss an episode. Premium Spotify users can download episodes to listen to offline, so wherever you are, you can hear me. It'll be like we're on that vacation in the mountains together. And of course, you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. Or you can browse to find new podcasts in the tab marked Your Library. Oh, and make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of Be Reasonable. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at imyourmoderator.com or use the hashtag heymoderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast.